Alicia Hannah. Hello, Jamie. What? Oh, it's been so long. Oh, it's, it's been so long. It's, so it's long. been months. I was going to say, yeah, what have you... I mean, last time I asked you what you were looking at, it was all Citizen Kane and, like, <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Chaplin, and you were like, this Second World War's better than the first one, isn't it? What have you been watching? Yeah, I have to say, sorry, uh, you know, we've had a few fans reach out and say, when's the next podcast? And we've, to be honest, we've just been burnt out after lockdown. Yeah. It's been awful. Yeah. We just couldn't cope. We've actually got two recorded, but they're just hanging about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one needs to hear them. They're the, they're the, they're the desperate cries of two people. <laughs> Looking back on it, we were very tired. I feel like we were very tired. It's quite, I think they were quite low energy. But, you know, yeah. we're back We're back with a vengeance. We're coming out of yeah. lockdown. We've got a roadmap out of lockdown. And we've got a brilliant episode today. Well, I've been watching, and I would recommend that you start watching it, Mayor of Easttown. Have you heard about it? Oh my god, no, I don't even don't even know what that is. It is a Kate Winslet prestige drama. It takes place, I think, in Pennsylvania. She's got um a very wacky regional accent. The first episode starts off uh, ends with a murder. So she's a detective and it's it's obviously going to be about her solving the crime. But she's in a town that's very close-knit town and there's just lots of different characters, but you just sort of get thrown straight into this community. So I think you'd really like it. There's Guy Pearce, isn't it, as her love interest? Oh, that is that is um, strong casting, strong telecasting, yeah. But he he's sort of a silver-haired fox... He basically, he doesn't look that different to how he looks in Prometheus. I was about to say, <laughs> you, you, you tell me that he's got silver hair and I'm just thinking of the most ludicrous cameo in the history of cinema. He is an author. He's an author who right. had what he had one hit, one hit book many years ago right. and is basically just living off that and has come to the town to live at the university. And sort of they meet in the first episode. She has just a lot of different family situations like she looks after her grandson i won't give too much away if you watch it but in the second episode our favorite has turned up our guy from american horror story uh also quicksilver in um the x-men new class and wandavision he turns up as the sort of young detective from town no from the city who's come to help Kate Winslet's rural detective. And so he's very mm. he's very young, enthusiastic, whereas she's sort of a bit more cynical and old. <laughs> it's really, mm. really good. It sounds sounds a lot like our dynamic on the podcast, <laughs> like a, a young city slicker. There's only seven episodes, so I'd get on it now. We're two episodes in. The second episode's okay. just come out. Yeah. The what's funny is I've read and sort of listened to Americans talk about it and they're like, oh, it's very like Broadchurch. And I'm like, I've never seen it. But I've, not, I've not watched Broadchurch. <laughs> no. no, I'm I, like, I, I don't actually watch crime like that, really. Not, no, not I that don't much. Either. I think the last one I watched was probably Top of the Lakes. Yeah, and that's sort of like, that's, that's obviously that's using the shape of crime, but it's much more of a sort of mood, a sort of mood feel isn't it it's not about like top of the lake wasn't really about solving the crime it was about being there with the characters in that 
environment really well that's what this um, one's like it's like it's a community yeah. everybody knows everyone else and you're more trying to work out the relationships and how everyone relates to each other that sounds good i also i, I do like telly where they've gone very heavyweight on the casting like you know like there's like movie stars movie stars on tv is just fun always i think Well, I, I'm just thinking. We talked about the terror, didn't we? But is that gonna is that in one of the episodes that will never see the light of day? I no, feel we've like. never talked about the terror. Have we never talked about the terror? I like, <laughs> like I know you hated it with pretty much every every fibre of your being. Do you know what? It's I whole... I gave it a really good shot, and I think I saw you in person at one point, and I think mm. I was I think I was about five episodes in, and then. I started watching the second to last episode and at that point I was just like, oh, I've got to peace out. I can't. I can't do this to myself. I didn't watch... On the second to last episode you stopped watching? I just couldn't do it. That When I was like, okay, now they are actually starting to eat each other, I was just like... Spoiler what, alert. What am I going to watch for the next yeah. two episodes? What am yeah. I going to... What am I, what am I watching? Shall we just do a quick explanation of what the terror is? First of all, about the terror, I'm livid that why are we three years behind America having it? Well, who knows? Some weird right situation, wasn't it? The, so the terror is a, quite a lavish, high-budget series made by... Is it AMC, the Mad Men? Yeah. It's very expensive, very lush-looking. I don't know if it's a BBC co-production or if the BBC picked up the rights afterwards... It's on the BBC now, and it's the it's the story of the two ships that went to explore the is it the, is it the Northwest Passage? I can't remember that is that something else. Basically, like they went to explore whether it's possible to get through the packed ice at the Arctic. Well, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I I very much uh, in my in my last phase of lockdown, I very much saw it as like a style guide. That's how I treated it. <laughs> I know mean, I was just like, why are they going to the Arctic with just some woolen coats? I mean, I do definitely, I love that era of, um, it's, it's, a, it's a high point of both like the, the empire, the British empire's confidence in itself, but also it is sending its emissaries out the furthest. And it's just people sort of going, well, I mean, I'm not going anywhere without a good, a good linen suit. Well, I think if I wear enough corduroy, I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I am English after all. Okay, what did you like about it though? What I liked about it was I thought it was actually, um, well, I thought it was at the heart of it, there was like a really touching portrayal of sort of some same sex relationships. All throughout, there were like men, there were just men having lots of different sorts of relationships with each other, lots of like relationships of like love and sort of like nourishing love. Um, and I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really interestingly handled and it didn't, it didn't seek to make it like a big thing. It was just part of the kind of context of these men's lives was that the, some of them were in love with each other and some of them found like really fulfilling relationships in the context of being at sea with each other for ages. Um, I thought it wasn't as clumsy a sort of portray, like, you know, that whole thing that in an American film, there's normally an English person going, burn the men plough the women into the field, they are savages and not Christians and must be destroyed. Like, as in, like, I'm not seeking to say that a sort of Victorian colonial attitude needs softening, but I did feel like there was a slightly more... There was all sorts of ways in which they treated the native peoples that they encountered in not particularly good ways, but it wasn't... It wasn't 
that they were sort of like baddies and evil. It was just more that they couldn't conceive of these people being of equal importance to their project, which was like an economic project primarily. And that felt like quite an interesting way into that stuff. Yeah, but it's not eight hours of TV, though, is it? I mean, I could have watched an hour. I could have watched it as a film. I just can't. I just I can't put that amount of time into it. If you are, if I had to design in a lab a program that you wouldn't enjoy, I would start from the position of it being olden days, men, mainly men, olden days. <laughs> I don't mind the olden days. It's more that um, I don't need a film to show me how bad things were in the olden days because I know that I don't like. Yeah, I don't like watching loads of men together. And yeah. I like um, I like supernatural elements and sort of unexplained things, but for me, it just didn't hang that well together. The the whole polar bear part of it, that bit fell the most flat, and I think that would have been the bit that would have kept me more interested. Yeah, and I and I I know lots of people that they really enjoyed aspects of it, but felt like the sort of supernatural monster aspect of it sort of pulled it out of shape and that they, they didn't like it overall. I, for me, I, um, I, just, I, just, I just had a really emotional experience watching it in that I cared a lot about lots of the characters. I was very invested in... Yeah, because they, they reminded you of yourself. You were like, oh, poor me. Oh, I don't want to die. Or you are like, oh, yeah. if I'd have lived then, I'd have been on the terror. Oh, I wish I hadn't died. <laughs> like, yeah. That's basically how you felt. But it was like that. It was partly that I was like, oh, oh no, those poor men with beards. I like men with beards. But it was also, I was like, for me, it was very aspirational. Yeah, you were like, finally, some beard representation. I think you'd have to think very carefully if it's worth eight hours of your time. It's just so unrelentingly bleak and you know how it's going to end. It's just like, why are you putting yourself through this under lockdown? Well, because of those small moments. I mean, look. Nothing means anything without pain, does it? You know, none of the good stuff matters without the bad stuff. So this week, we decided to go with a hard day's M. Night Shyamalan. Which, does that still make sense as a pun once you put all the other elements in play? You know, it's a hard day's night is the pun. A hard day's night Shyamalan. I'm very excited about this episode. You have watched a huge amount, a huge amount. I've watched a lot. So there's like the early, early stage, which is the sixth sense, unbreakable signs in the village. Then his time in the wilderness, which is like Lady in the Water, The Happening, The Last Airbender and After Earth. And then his Renaissance, which some people are calling the (laughs) Chamelenaissance. Is that you? Are you calling it that? <laughs> Which is the visit, split and glass, right, yeah. and he's got yeah. three forthcoming films. I think it's very interesting for a director to have had such success early on and then have such criticism and then have a comeback. I think that is actually really amazing that he's been able to come back on his own terms. I watched The Visit last week and I hated it so much that I then watched The Sixth Sense immediately after because I was just like, I need I need a palate cleanser. I watched The Sixth Sense in the cinema and then I watched it again 
the following year or whenever to be like, oh, wow, it is really amazing. He doesn't ever talk to anyone apart from the boy. So I definitely haven't seen it in the last 10 years, maybe in the last 15 years, probably. And when I watched it, when I watched it on Friday, I it is just actually really, really moving. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant film. Yeah, yeah, like I was honestly like sobbing through most of it in that it's a when you take away the twist and when you know that Bruce mm. Willis is a ghost all along, it's just about how we cope with grief and like our relationships and it also has just a lot of children, like children who die young in it or whatever. I would really recommend that everyone just go and watch it now. You've already seen it as the twist. You've seen it since to be like, oh, he wasn't tricking us. It's really well made. Now Mm. just go and watch it for the emotional journey. And I actually think for him being 29 when it came out, it's actually a really, really sort of profound film, I think, about families and grief and and loss. But, but basically, it's about moving on. I, I enjoyed watching it again. I watched it in the cinema. There was a gasp in the cinema when everyone realised what the twist was. And I didn't tell anyone about that twist. I didn't spoil it because I was like... I understood that that was like a really rare, special thing that you would... That, that there would be a piece of storytelling that at a certain point it would twist and you would go, oh! I didn't realise he was 29 when he did it. He was so young. Imagine making something so amazing but and it, not only being a critical success but such a commercial smash. Yeah. Like, and then that's set him up for the, like, all these problems for the rest of his career. However, here's my theory that in other films that he's made there is such terrible writing such lowest common denominator idiotic shortcut lazy writing that i don't know it's almost like an amateur footballer has wandered onto the field and swung their foot at the ball and they've scored from 40 yards but like they didn't know how they did it a recurring fact of watching later Shyamalan films is that very often characters act in service to the plot rather than any kind of believable psychology like as in characters do things that they need to do they behave in certain ways and they do certain things that the 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 structure of the plot needs them to do and i think i am almost sure that's why you didn't like the visit which is that almost no one in that film is behaving like a human being would ever behave they're behaving in a way that makes the conceit work in his early work he he had such a claim and people were like, oh, he's going to be the next Spielberg, that then as the budget started getting bigger and bigger and he got even more massive failures, he's then had to sort of enter into this situation where for the visit and split, he remortgaged his house for both of them. He, mm. he's, the, he's the one who's put up the money. So the visit only had a budget of five million and split only had a budget of nine million compared to the last airbender and after Earth, like after earth had a budget of 120 million so his his comeback is based on the studios completely losing faith in him i listened to this podcast of his, um called like how i build resilience or something that came out in february which is an NPR podcast with him talking about his his comeback and, and the things that he's mm. been doing. And so he's like, yeah, for the visit, I literally had to remortgage my house because no one believed in me. And so he 
the visit was made for five million and it made 95 million and that's why everyone was like he's back glass was made for nine million he made 250 million on it and so people were like this is amazing but what it is is it's following this model of really schlocky crap horror that shot for really really cheap because you can get like big returns on it and I'm just not that interested in it that's why I don't like it so the production company that 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 backed him for the visit and split are the people who made loads of money from paranormal activity because that made like they made it for 15 grand and it made like obviously millions and millions and millions of dollars and they followed that model with lots of things some of it being good like get out but also some of it being very generic, like Insidious and The Conjuring and stuff like that. But which still made a shit ton of money, those two films. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, his relationship with this with Blumhouse Productions, who approached him and said, I think, I think you could follow this model and we could work together, and obviously has worked really well. You know, I don't know, in a way it makes me feel... I'm happy he's had a comeback, and I'd love to watch a film about his career... <laughs> But it makes me really sad because, like, I really hated The Visit and I really hated Split. I, I, I quite like Glass, but The Visit, for anyone who hasn't seen it, he's very at pains to say it's not found footage, it's a documentary. So it's a basically a 15-year-old girl is making a documentary about her family. Her mum... Um, sends her sends her and her brother say their grandparents and very strange things happen now I know that you liked it so we can talk about this a bit more basically think very weird things start happening like they see the grandma puking or running around naked at night they're told they can't leave their rooms after 9.30 there's a lot of jump scares and you are very on edge mm. watching it my main problem there's obviously loads of things you can pick holes in. I mean, it was obvious to me that something was going on when it, when things happened, like the grandma accidentally spilt stuff on the camera so that the mum could never see the grandparents. <laughs> like, it was obvious that they weren't the grandparents. But your theory, your theory, you messaged me and you went... My theory was they were midgets. I was like, I was like, I heard, I heard the grandparents are midgets. <laughs> And Jamie was like, well, you're not not wrong. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm right. Maybe they're midgets in the cellar. Overall, I don't hate that film because there's something about it. There's some kind of unashamed energy about it. None of it makes sense. None of the none of the conceit hangs together. It's not that it makes sense, but that's what I'm saying. I'm saying I can, I'm saying I can pick holes in it, but I but that doesn't matter to me. Like usually, if I I can love a film, even if there's massive flaws in like the logic. However, I actually think that it's just really, really offensive about mental health and old people. I genuinely, I like, I actually think the central message of the film is really disturbing in that it's like, I'm like, okay, are we back to the ghost stories we used to tell in our childhood about escaped loonies? Do you know loonies what I mean? Is, is it loonies can lick too? I'm not. I can tell a better. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. I'm not. I can tell a better story about a loony being on the roof of my car, scratching through with his fingernails. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's more realistic than what we've just watched. Well, I mean, I think. I think he has a consistently problematic relationship with mental health, like throughout his career. Yes, and I can just can I just say after having watched the village and the Adrian Brody character in that who has a disability 
of unspecified unspecified but broadly performed disability yeah yeah totally yeah would they make that now i don't think so not in the same way but also and this is going to take me on to my next argument which is about split and also the end of unbreakable when there's just sort of random women who are captured by men and held in these like locked basements and that's in both films i when i didn't know what i was going to watch when i watched split i know that i avoided it before because i was like i mean i love james mcavoy as charles xavier (laughs) i love him in wanted with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I, I even I'm, like I'm him in Atonement. Yeah. However, for whatever reason, even when Split was for free, for whatever reason, I didn't watch it. When Split started, I was like, oh, this is a bit exciting because it opens up with a really exciting scene. But then when I was like, oh, it's just three girls like chained up. I, I just don't watch films like that. I've never watched anything like Hostel... I don't really like the Saw films. Yeah, like, I, I find I it very, prob- I find it really problematic and just really misogynistic. And so I'm, I'm really upset about the direction he's going in. Basically, is what I'm saying. But it, like, in terms of him making low budget films that essentially take place in a room, he's coming up with these storylines that I hate because I don't think it I don't think he's touching on any of the big or interesting things that he used to. I think you're absolutely right. I think something's happened. The films at the beginning had like a foregrounded structure, but the kind of foregrounding of structure actually had an emotional heart at the center of it. And then he pulled away from that, didn't he? In that kind of middle phase where everyone was just like, Jesus Christ, we don't want to watch this guy's films. And he, he, he was like, I'm not the guy that does like twists. I don't do structure. You know, I, I want to I make films about like existence. And all of those films are dreadful and unwatchable, totally unwatchable. And then he's gone back. His, his renaissance is to, to embrace um, stru- call structure. Call it by its proper name, like, Jamie. Sorry, a chamelaissance. What what is it? What do people call it? A chamelanaissance. A chamelanaissance. <laughs> so the chamelanaissance, as we all know it, is that he's come back to um, films where structure is foregrounded, but but without any of without any of that resonance. Like I, I think that feels like a really good way to understand his career I also think it's a bit rich for him to say they didn't have any faith in me they didn't have any faith in you because you've made several films that are objectively dreadful like just just on every level like I also just I think he's he is capable of incredibly lazy writing the visit is insane it only makes sense if a series like you said the the dropping stuff on a laptop that that film can only function if a series of very improbable things happen. But I mean, but and I'm fine. I'm fine with that usually. But I just feel like it's disappointing in the end. Because what's that in service to? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because what is he saying? What's it? It's basically to make people feel gross. Like oh, when like old people are gross. His his background is his family emigrated to the states um but his parent his parents were doctors he went to a private catholic school as a hindu so i was like okay 
you know, he, he obviously has always felt like on the outside. And Private I, school as well, like Nolan. Private yes, school, yeah. like, you know, like... And, yeah. but, and, but his parents were, like, his whole family were all doctors. So it was a very big deal. It was just like a massive shock that he was like, I'm going to NYU, I want to be a filmmaker and so on. Aaron Sorkin, the lawyers, similar Aaron Sorkin thing. Obsessed with lawyers because your family are lawyers, yeah. In an interview that I listened to, he said, I do feel that, obviously, I have got that immigrant experience and his films always do do well worldwide. So he was like, some, you know, something in the stories I tell connects with the global audience. And I was like, I guess, is that true? Is is do I like his films because he is coming, he is telling stories from the perspective of like being an outsider. Also, he sets literally every single film in Philadelphia. Be like me, just being obsessed with Orpington. Like, it's weird, isn't it? Literally, every single one of his films is in Philadelphia. Why do you love Philadelphia so much? Jan, all of the, all of the stories you tell are connected to Orpington. I mean, <laughs> That's very... not true. Imagine if all your work revolved around Eltham. Literally everything, anything you could do, you set it in Eltham. It's not right, is it? I I genuinely think he is one, a bit like Christopher Nolan. He's someone who is capable of great stupidity. Like I think is is capable of of giant storytelling, but is also through exactly the same channels capable of great stupidity. Do you think that he had success too early? No, not at all. Basically, I think there's a very thin line between clever, in inverted commas, like clever mass market storytelling and idiocy. I think that's just a very fine line that people walk along. And like like a high concept film in which the structure of something is foregrounded, I think the same things that made him think that The Sixth Sense was a good story to tell and Unbreakable was a good story to tell, and The Village was a good story to tell. I think they're the same instincts that are telling him that these other things are a good story to tell. I think he doesn't distinguish, I think, like... And I think he might be right that actually a lot of it comes down to performance, you know, the actors you've got in the film and the gravitas they they lend to things. Well, he always manages to get amazing cast. Is it that it's basically the storytelling and the directing that pulls down? No, I think like I think honestly, I think it, like I think like filmmaking is a weird alchemical process in which you bring together all sorts of stuff. And I think he's amazing at so many bits of it, like the pitch. Like his films are always pitchable. I can see why his films have got consistently made. And like now, even though he's existing in another environment, I can see why when he talks about the film he's going to make, you understand that it's a film. But I think that you're absolutely right that just randomly sometimes all of that structural stuff, all of that, and then it turns out X. When that, when that, clicks with an emotional, human, organic, resonant thing, that's an amazing film. But when it doesn't, you're just like, oh, it's, just, it's just stupid, it's shit, it's idiotic, it's, you know. How about we go through, we go through the films, we, how about we rate the film out of 10 and we rate the twist out of 10? And give a brief, like a one-line summary, okay? 
right. So I think we're skipping praying with anger and yes, wide awake. Yes, of course we, we are. Of course yeah, we are. Okay. All so right. this, the, the sixth, sixth sense. sense. What's the summary? I, I'll do it. I see dead people. All the time. You can't <laughs> leave that bit hanging. You can't leave the all the time bit hanging. Um... Nine out great... of ten. Nine point yeah. five out of ten. Yeah. What about I... the, what about the twist? Ten out of ten. Uh, one of the most satisfying film twist, like as in now, is like a cliche, is like a a thing that everyone knows about, but at, like genuinely one of the most thrilling twists. Yeah. In, Amazing. In in contemporary cinema history, Untouchable is oh, yeah. a film. I think okay. you. If someone told me they hate that film, I would judge them poorly you cut them out you cut them off that's yeah. it alright Unbreakable like 7.5 7. Yeah. 7. well at the time having come off the back of it being the new film by that guy that did The Sixth Sense I remember being really excited by it and partly because it felt like it was engaging with like comic book storytelling. I'm, I'm not. At, I'm not at all into comics. I'm not going to pretend that I'm like a comic dude, but I thought it was kind. It was really interesting. I thought the framing of it at the time when I watched it was really interesting. I saw the Sixth Sense in the cinema. I saw Signs in the cinema. I saw The Village in the cinema. For whatever reason, Unbreakable didn't appeal, and I I know that I had watched. I know I knew that I'd watched the first bit of Unbreakable and that I'd stopped watching because it was I in my mind as in because it came out in like two thousand. What I remembered mm. why I stopped watching it it was just a bit too dark. It was a lot of talking. I wasn't engaged. When I watched it this week for the podcast, I remembered the exact spot where I stopped watching. Do you think you can guess? where I stopped watching it in, two, in the year 2001 when I watched it on video. I, I genuinely don't know. I, like... When Samuel L. Jackson fell down the stairs. Okay. All right. All right. I was like, I cannot watch. I can't watch him break bones, all Phil. <laughs> I just can't do it. It all came back to me when I started watching it. It was just like, why are you going down this massive flight of stairs on the subway? You know you're going to fall and break every bone in your body. In a terror-like way, why am I putting myself through this? However, you know, on second watch, I enjoyed it. You know, if you suffer from a condition which makes your bones very fragile, why have you got, like, a glass cane that breaks? Surely you'd, like... <laughs> You'd want you'd want something that was really robust that you could like lean like as Is it you were glass? falling. Was his cane made of glass? Yeah, he literally falls down the stair and and like immediately his cane, which is made of glass, breaks. And you're just like, mate, that is. I mean, you've suffered there from your own, you know, your own branding issues, really. <laughs> but I have to say, I actually enjoyed Unbreakable. I messaged you in it during it, didn't I? And I said, oh, I'm gripped. I said, oh, I'm gripped. I've never seen him before. Yeah, yeah. I know that people say it was ahead of its time because it was. It's, it is very weird that the beginning starts with all these facts about comic books because at the time they didn't think people were into comics. And now just everything, you know, everything's about like Marvel and about comics. All right, um, what's the key quote stroke summary? They call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> That's the key quote. Like, you know. Um, 
Well, no, hang on. What how? What do we rate the twist? Seven. Oh, I'm, yeah, I mean, I for me, that film is a solid, you know, like it's a seven and a half, seven and a half film. Signs doesn't make sense when you watch it again, but at the time I remember really enjoying it. it what is the twist in Signs? Because I didn't re-watch it for this, but I feel like I've watched it enough. Is the twist in Signs that water kills aliens? Um, it's not really a twist. It's more that a load of stuff that hasn't seemed to make sense. All comes together. Yeah. So, like, Joaquin Phoenix, like, has loads of baseball bats everywhere. Or, no, he's got loads of cups of water everywhere and a baseball bat. So then it's like, swing away. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it becomes clear that that all of these things that are, like, recurring motifs are, like, a set of instructions to defeat the bad aliens. Yeah. Okay, all right. But, I mean, I think science is a good film. Seven out of ten. Yeah, seven, seven out of Aliens yeah. are in the cornfields. That's my summary. Aliens are, in the, aliens are in the cornfields, colon. Get them with water. Full stop. <laughs> Con, uh, full bracket. Yeah, open brackets. Um, it won't make sense. Close brackets. But yeah, there we go. Done. The, the Village. Seven out of ten, I'll give it. That's a terrible film. There's no way a seven out of ten. Are you are you taking a piss? No, no. I know. It's I knew not a we were. Film. It's a terrible film. It, we, it's I knew we were going to get this. Nothing about it makes sense. Like I, as in, I know. It's not meant I, I to make sense. Oh my god! Something about it has to make sense. Like I totally well, would get you your idea. Nothing about it makes sense. Okay, so the human. It it turns out at the end of the film that. The, the humans have been pretending to be monsters. Yeah. And yet all the way through the film, it's been made very clear that, the, that, that they make monstrous noises that no human could ever make. Just at a really basic level, I'm just like, okay, so let, let's, let's embrace... So, oh, I don't want to spoiler it for anyone, but fucking hell, it's been out for about 25 years. No, I mean, if you listen to this, every single... Every single M. Night Shyamalan film will be spoiled. I mean, we're not going to not spoil any of these. The concept of the film is, is it people in the 50s or the 60s decide that the modern world is, like, debased and bad for people? There's people in the 70s, and no, they've all, they've basically all had a very close relative, like, murdered, and they all meet a counselling group around a grief counseling group so in the 70s they're extremely traumatized and then they move and so they decide to like move and you know move back to the olden days yeah so they set up a fake society in a national park where is it is it like it's like a park it's like a nature reserve and and so when the film begins you think it's like scarlet letter era sort of what seven like no 1800 no it's like the 1800s yeah like you you think it's like scarlet letter era 1800s like the women are all dressed like you know um scarlet letter slash uh the margaret atwood novel you know that's the vibe it's like the handmaid's tale yeah handmaid's tale it's like it's like um everyone is kind of in a his in a sort of the past and it's a village where there are monsters and it's like the monsters are moral outside of the village in the woods there are monsters and 
you you meet at various points at like monsters, like like terrifying creatures who are kind of like, and they're like they make terrifying noises and they appear to be terrifying. And the kind of reveal in the film is that the adults of the community are using the idea of monsters in the woods to keep the young people in the community because it turns out it's modern day. And this is just like a community of people in a nature reserve. And if they went beyond a certain point, they'd like just basically be in New York or somewhere, wherever the fuck they are. Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. They would. They would be in the specific zip code of Philadelphia that he grew up in. Um, but literally, it doesn't make sense from the first moment you see a monster because the first moment you see a monster, they make a noise that the reason they're terrifying is it's utterly inhuman. It's like a kind of a like noise, and then when you realise that it's just a sequence of people you've met pretending to be monsters, they can't have made that noise and therefore the whole thing doesn't make sense. I, to be honest, I don't know about this noise. So I, I, can't, I can't speak to that bit. It doesn't make sense. Like, the conceit cannot be borne out by the characters that inhabit it. And that, for me, is the first moment with, with an, you know, an M. Night Shyamalan film I went... Well, okay, and you basically, you're very predictable, you're very basic, you're like the rest of the world, that's what happened. The village, people start losing faith in him, people were expecting an amazing twist, they didn't get the twist, they didn't... No, there is a twist, it just doesn't make sense, it doesn't feel right. As an audience member... I feel like it's not a twist, it's an explanation of what we're watching, but anyway... Yeah, fine. but it doesn't doesn't feel satisfying. It you don't right, go. Fine. So yeah. I give it seven out of ten. What do you give it? Four out of ten, if that. Would you give the twist? Well, I mean, again, four out of ten because it doesn't work. Like a twist only works if when you when it happens, you go, "Oh shit!" So that means that you know that. Oh yeah, like there has to be like a sort of a, a feeling of revelation. All right. Well, it is a feeling of revelation. It's it's a it's actually a really moving moment when when Bryce Dallas Howard gets sent off into the woods. She's allowed to go and get medicine for Joaquin Phoenix because she's blind, and and when you hear the voices of all the elders sort of saying the things that they experienced that led them to then set up this community where one woman's like, my brother got killed, and this other one's like, my husband went out, and he, we found him in the river three days later. These are all people who've experienced extremely violent murders of their loved ones. You know, it's not so much like a twist where you're like, oh, fuck, I didn't realise this all along. It's more like this is the foundations for this community that they're building. So I'll give I give both a seven. Seven out of ten for the film, seven out of ten no, for the twist. Four, four, four. It doesn't make sense. All right, it, fine. It, like, fine. It, it, yeah, it doesn't work. The happening, I don't know, Lady in the Water, I I mean, I watched it, I literally couldn't tell you anything about it. The, like, the happening, you know, that basically after watching Lady in the Water and the happening, 
is why I never watched an M. Night Shyamalan film until this week, until preparing for this podcast. Those two disappointed me so much. The Happening, basically, I don't mind. I'm completely fine with an environmental fable. I do agree that trees are evil. Trees are evil, I agree. But The Happening had the best trailer. It was extremely beautiful. Oh, the, like drop, just, the people dropping off of the just roof people thing. Just yeah, drop, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just people just totally. like dropping off of buildings is like amazing. And you're like, oh my God, what's happening? What is <laughs> oh this? Oh my God, yeah. they're happening. Oh my God, Marky Mark and like Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, when you actually watch the film, it's absolutely terrible. I, I, I didn't even... I couldn't bring myself to re-watch it for this podcast. I would give it a three and a three. Oh, it, it, I, I started... I tried to watch it again, and actually, I just... I was like, Do you know what? I'm turning 40 this year. I don't have that many hours left in my life. I can't... I can't <laughs> give... I can't give up some for this. I've... I read uh, Adventures in the Screen Trade, William Goldman, have you ever read that? And he's basically like... Jaws, the, the the main question behind Jaws is, what if the sharks got territorial? <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, is that what they were thinking? What if the trees... What if the trees, what if the trees got vindictive? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. is that the same like thinking behind it? And it's just like, no, it doesn't work. Last Airbender we haven't watched. After well, I was going to say, I, I mean, it's famously one of the worst films ever made. I didn't watch it. Is that is that me? Is that... I should do due diligence. I don't think so. No. I think we can safely see the last. So I've, I have watched After Earth. It's terrible. There's no redeeming features. No one needs to watch it other than if you're like a, a Will Smith familial completist. Well, yeah, After Earth is an idea by Will Smith. And I, I from what I've heard, he, he had most control over it. I, I don't think... I don't think Shyamalan had that much yeah. input into it. I think if you sign on to do a Will Smith film of a story that Will Smith wrote for him and his son, I think yeah, you're yeah. basically there to execute Will Smith's vision, and that's that. I think he, I think he thought it would be a surefire box office hit, and that would rehabilitate his image, and he could be like, "Look, I can, I can get the money in," and instead it was just like a massive flop. Let me yeah. see what the box the box office was. I've got it. Cost one hundred thirty million, and it brought in two hundred fifty million. So I think that's considered not very good. Uh, considering that the the marketing spend is almost always twice the you know the, yeah. the actual spend is twice what the box office was, and then yeah, and then we come into that that final phase that we were discussing. Yeah, we didn't talk about glass. I mean, the visit I would give five. I enjoyed it more than you did, but I can see I totally am not going to argue. Like, it's, I'm not going to. No, gonna I mean, argue, give it what like, you want. I'm not. I don't want to argue with you about it. I'm just saying, I with this with the visit and split. I just feel really sad that that's how he's rehabilitated his image and his I, career. Like, I I want him to be like, I you know, I definitely want people to be able to come back, and I think I honestly think it's brilliant. I I actually think that's sort of a massive testament to his character, to be honest. It must be pretty shit to have been basically on top of the world and then 
people just stop returning your calls because of like after earth and the last airbender so the fact that he's been able to come back on his own terms is really really good but it's just not films that i'm interested in i you know it's just he's obviously appealing to like a completely like new crap audience don't you think I, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I hate the whole sort of, um, you know, the sort of fetishization of the B movie as a thing. But I did, I definitely think the visit is, uh, like, it's silly and it's schlocky and it, it like it, it. But I, I, as I was watching, I did enjoy. It. I'm not going to pretend I didn't enjoy watching the visit for the first time. And then split is basically just how much can you enjoy um, James McAvoy doing this. I mean, can we talk about a split a bit more? First of all, any time he does Hedwig. Oh my God, I hate Hedwig so much. And Catherine look. Oh my God, I'm a child playing child games with a child, I think. Oh. Yeah, no, it's, it's horrific. It's utterly horrific. All right, I'd like to do my audition tape for you now for the part of... Me. Patricia, okay. Patricia. Well... I hate to see that you're doing these things that I don't approve of. <laughs> Hedwig. I'm just a small boy who has a lisp and is a child. Oh my golly gosh, what the even what? I'm Hedwig, a child. <laughs> Dennis. Oh, I gotta do a deep voice now, cause I'm a guy. I'm a guy who's not Patricia and I'm not Hedwig. I'm doing a deep voice now. <laughs> Barry. Well, Barry's just a kind of middle voice guy who's just like not deep voice guy and he's not Patricia <laughs> and he's not he's not lispy kid. He's just more of a New York kind of a guy. <laughs> there's 23 voices, Jamie. No, there's not. There's five and everyone says there's 23. It's literally ridiculous. It's on it, and also just like some of the performances are literally him going, Well, for God's sake, I'm an academic who knows about Mesopotamia. We need to score it. Split is it's ridiculous, but I do, I do still also, I think it absolutely I right. Like, I hated it, I hate it. When it started in the car, I was like, Oh, this is a bit exciting. A man's tricked another man and he's kidnapping some girls. When it yeah. then just the next second they were just all chloroforms like in a white cellar. I was like, in oh, their Jesus. Pants. Yeah, no, now I agree. we're just I gonna agree. watch a film of like girls. I just I I I never ever choose to watch films like that. So I mean I give it a very low score. I'm assuming we're gonna all both of us are going to be in agreement, but he brings it back together in glass in a triumphant... I mean, I like glass. Do you like glass? <laughs> I... Do you not like it? Because I went into it, because I went into it being, oh my God, the reviews for this are really shit. But then I was, actually, it's all right. Do you know what? It's better than I thought. I think it's better than what the reviews said. I'm glad it made... It, he did make... It only cost 20 million to make and he it made like 250 at the box office. So I'm glad he's had success with that i it was a lot of talking but i thought it was all right i feel like the reviews for glass and the split are the wrong way around in that i think i think that like the split got disproportionately praised and i think that glass got disproportionately you know dispraised like yeah why did it get criticized so much I, well i think because it set itself up as finally 
you know, the drawing together of this universe. And everyone's like, mate, mate, we don't care. It's not a thing. But as a film, like, it's, it is a, it's silly and... Well, it's got that woman from American Horror Story. Watch, the woman from... Sarah Paulson from the Ryan Murphy-verse. Very good. I, actually I like her. Think, I always I like actually, her. Like, yeah. I think um, Bruce Willis is amazing in it. I think he's got an amazing presence He's just very sort of silent and in a hood, which I think's a skill. When they're all <laughs> when they're in a, when James McAvoy, Bruce Willis, and Samuel L. Jackson are in a room together, I was actually very excited. <laughs> so yeah, it was I... a bit. It was a bit. It was a bit slower than what I'd like, and it was a bit too much talking. But I actually thought it was good. I also like the fact that Bruce Willis's son from Unbreakable is the same actor. Is the same actor, yeah. So that I, I thought, thought that was good too. I thought all of that kind of time passing thing was done quite well because they just did it realistically. Um, and then he's got something called Old out this year. That is coming out in July, just before my birthday. So I'm should excited. We, we should go do should we that. Watch, should we watch it? Well, cinemas 23rd, be open. 23rd of, 23rd of July, yeah, cinemas will be open. It's got a lot of very famous actors in it. Yeah, it's got Gail Garcia Bernal in it and Rufus Sewell, yeah. What are your final thoughts? I, well, my main thought is I, I just enjoy being back. Good to be back. <laughs> It's good to be back, isn't it? Do you yeah. think that it's a, we're a bit like M. Night? Shyamalan you know we started off on a high we've had a real like low period where we weren't putting anything out and like this is our renaissance this is our comeback yeah I think we've always got to remember that we've got it within us to make the sixth sense and we should always that's what we should aim for oh my god I don't think that's true I think we've got it within us to make the village and I'd be happy with that I mean, me too. Yeah, I mean, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be happy with that. <laughs> Should we say goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, let's say goodbye to the listeners. And Bye, I suppose, listeners. You know, and each other. Yeah. Bye, Jamie. Bye, Bye listeners. Bye, Johanna. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>